guys. Welcome to episode 85 of the Atlas Podcast. My name is Emma Loggins, editor-in-chief at Fanbolt.com. And I'm Matt Rodriguez, the owner-in-chief editor of ShakeFire.com. And I'm Mike McKinney of LastOneToLeadToTheater.com and ATLCW.TV. And uh, if you live in Atlanta, you are familiar with the, the snow that happened this week, which basically canceled all of the things that we planned to do and plan to talk about on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. So um, we didn't get to go to our whiskey experience, which I think is really the saddest part of all of this. <laughs> um, but they're going to be rescheduling it. So we'll get to do that at some point in the future. Um and of course, I was in Portland over the weekend, and uh, it was my first trip to Oregon, and it was amazing. We had an incredible turnout with uh, Walker Stalker and Heroes and Villains. It was one of our combined shows, so we had a bunch of talent from the CW shows there in addition to The Walking Dead, and it was just a really fun weekend. Although I managed to not leave the hotel or the convention center at all except to go eat ramen one night so i literally saw no part of of portland portland (laughs) um, you, you had nothing to compare portlandia to no, well, I I think I made this this comment in our chat when I got off the plane. I like everyone looked like exactly how I expected them to. Like they looked like characters from Portlandia. Like, and then it's it's like I was walking further and further further, and it was just like hipsters wearing plaid. I'm like, oh my god, this is exactly what I imagined Portland <laughs> to be. Um, but it was a really good trip, and uh, I want to go back because I know there's a lot to do there and a lot to do, you know, not too far from. From the city either with mount hood and um mount st helens there's a lot of hiking and and cool stuff you can do so i'll make it back one day and actually do some things outside of the convention but uh it was a great weekend did you get to interview anybody um nope i was just working on stuff this time so i didn't have any interviews which was it no, was no fun of- stories no fun stories in that regard i mean there's always fun stories it's uh it's just was was Chandler Riggs there? He was. He was, was there. Was this the first Walker Stalker Con since the uh, uh, mid-season finale? The... Yeah, because I think the mid-season finale was the the, uh, the very end of our last show for Jersey. So it was. It was the first. It was weird, like uh, because the last show it also snowed here in Atlanta, and I didn't get to uh, to go to that one, which was in New Jersey last year. Um, but it was really weird with his hair being cut. I just felt like I didn't even recognize no. him. <laughs> um, but it was really cool just, you know, seeing all the other cast mates come up to him and kind of talk to him and everyone reconnecting. It's yeah. and that whole group is just like such a tight knit family. And it's it's cool to to see that. That's the um, kid with the eye patch, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes, Mike. <laughs> Mike, who doesn't watch The Walking Dead or Game of Thrones or Game of Thrones or. That's it's he, at least he watches Mr. Robot, so we can give him a pass on that one. Yeah, I'm caught yeah. up in Mr. Robot, Matt. Well, I'm busy watching Walking Dead and Game of Thrones, so it's on my to-do list. <laughs> um, and by the way, well, for anybody out there that does watch Mr. Robot, when you watch the uh, season finale episode, make sure you watch it all the way through the credits because there is a bonus scene. Oh, crap. I didn't know that. Um, I hope we still have it on the DVR. Um, Yeah, okay, good note. I'm I'm making that that note now. Um, 
So yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much been our last week, and uh, of course my my dog is here as well. I'm I'm thinking she's probably going to be the fourth member of our podcast because she's really chill every time until we start recording. And right now she's playing tug of war with me, so Fozzie is just going to end up being our fourth podcast member. I apologize for any noise that she makes. Um, Admit it, that's just you, Emma. Don't <laughs> don't just, blame Fozzie. Just me growling. That'd be that'd be awkward. <laughs> um, but uh, let's uh, let's do things in the right order this week. Because last week I it was my first my first show of 2018, so I kind of was all over the over the place. Um, but we're gonna talk box office results because that's when we're this is when we're supposed to talk bo- box office results. Um, did you guys make? Well, we still have Jumanji in first, which I think is actually yeah. what uh, Mike predicted last last week. Is that accurate, Mike? That one I was right on. Um, so any big surprises for you guys this week? We had Jumanji came in first, um, The Post in second, uh, The Commuter opened in third, The Greatest Showman in fourth, and Insidious, The Last Key, was in at number five. And um, Paddington opened in seventh, uh, yeah, Paddington 2. I thought that would have done a lot better because it was in a lot of theaters. It was in 3,700 theaters. So yeah. obviously the studio thought it was going to do well. Um, so that was a big surprise. I, I think I predicted it would be number two. Uh, I wanted Mary, to say, I'm sorry. I wanted to be surprised by Paddington Two, but I'm not, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Like I kind of had a feeling like that one would go way under the radar, and it's like that was only the fourth movie to get um, 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. So like all the film critics love it. Yeah, and that's so and that's like just not getting. That's like 150 critics too. Yeah. So like it's getting great reviews. So like go see this movie. Yep. And then Proud Mary um, did uh, almost $10 million, uh, but uh, did not do well both with the critics and with the box office, uh, which is not surprising because they didn't show it to critics. They canceled screenings um, so that critics couldn't get access to it. Um, and um, so there, were, there weren't that many uh, reviews of the film, uh, which, is, which is sad because... Um, um, what's her name? Taraji P. Henson is a really good actress. Now, what I've read of the critics, the critics reviews that did actually go see it is that she had a good performance, but she was let down by the material. Well, it was, uh, I mean, we always say that, uh, January is not, not a great month for movies. And I think a lot of people just don't even really pay attention to movies that come out in January. Um, because they've spent so much money and holidays and, and gift giving and all of that. So unless something really sticks out and you hear a lot of good things about it or you see a lot of commercials and you're like really feeling it, I just don't feel like people really go as much in January. Yeah. Although um, uh, Facebook the other day, um, you know, they do that. Like you saw this a year ago or you did this yeah. a year ago. Split came out in January last year. I feel like that's that was kind of um, I don't know that really surprised me that that movie as a whole really surprised me because M Night Shyamalan's last few films have been really bad or at least in my opinion they've been really bad and no, that they've one been really was bad. that one was uh, yeah. surprisingly one was really good. good yeah I mean they sent it to us for Oscars consideration so like even the studio had faith in it yeah. granted I don't think it'll be nominated for anything but like James James McAvoy was was great in it. He was, he was. Um, well, yeah. So that's uh, 
that's this week's box office report. Do you guys have any predictions as far as next week? Well, um, for, for this weekend, um, you've got a couple of movies that are coming out, uh, both aimed at male. Um, so you've got uh, 12 Strong, um, which is uh, about the first group of soldiers uh, that uh, go to Afghanistan. The first special forces go to Afghanistan after 9-11. And then what's the other what's the other film that was male uh, f- for? Well, I don't know what your movie you're talking about, but Forever My Girl is coming out. No, that's but definitely Den of, Den of Thieves. <laughs> that's aimed at girls. Den of that's Thieves. That's girls. Den of Thieves. Is, is oh, yeah. Out. Den of Thieves oh, is this week. Yeah. I forgot yeah, about so that. So you have two films that are aimed at, at males. You, then you have another film aimed at uh, women. And then um, in Atlanta. Uh, another film uh, starring Annette Bening, film stars Don't Die in Liverpool. But I think Jumanji, again, is just going to keep moving on. I mean, it's already done $312 million, and I think it'll be number one again. I think The Post, which is getting really good word of mouth, will come in number two, and then 12 Strong will come in number three, Um, although they could switch, uh, depending. Uh, Den of Thieves, I don't see it doing anything. And um, the uh, Forever My Girl is uh, is only opening in 1,000 theaters, so it's not going to be a factor in the box office at all. Den of Thieves was an Atlanta filmed movie. Was so, it? Yep. So yeah. so was, it was uh, filmed here. Yeah. So was uh, Forever, Forever so was My Girl. Forever My Girl. Yep. yep. Both wow. of those. I expect an Atlanta recognition factor this week. Then that's it's been a while. I feel like since we've had that. Um. Well, cool. Um, well, on that note, let's uh, let's dive into our our movie reviews for this week. Let's start with um, Twelve Strong. If you want to set that one up, Matt. Yeah. So Twelve Strong is a military war drama. It's based off a book, actually, um, by Doug Stanton called Horse Soldiers where basically it tells the story of it's right after the September 11, 2001 attacks on the World Trade Center towers. And basically it's these 12 Special Forces members who they are the first, basically, soldiers down in Afghanistan who are basically fighting back against the Taliban. They're the first ones to strike since um, since September 11th. And so it's got um, Chris Hemsworth... Michael Shannon, Michael Pena, Travante Rhodes is in it. So it's got a good cast. And it's basically this war drama, you know, to drive home, you know, the whole patriotic feeling. Well, cool. Um, this one, not filmed in Atlanta. Just no. gonna go ahead and state that. <laughs> um, so we, um, before we dive into our review, we are actually changing up a little bit of how we do our reviews because we got some feedback from listeners that were like, uh, they thought it was a little bit confusing because sometimes having a one is a good thing and sometimes having a five is a better thing. So um, we're just gonna make it super simplistic and just talk about what we did and didn't like and then we'll give it a score between one and five on the Atlas scale and five being the highest and one being the lowest. So it's our new system moving forward. Uh, but we're still going to talk about the same factors that we do every week. So um, tell me, were you guys bored at all during this one? Well, I didn't see it, so <laughs> I'm not. Oh, I'm not that's right. It. <laughs> it's all Matt. <laughs> it's all me. Um, 
boredom, it's it's very on the fence with boredom because this is a war farm, so there is a lot of going on. There's there's a lot of intense battle scenes, so you're not really too bored with it. Um, I was less entertained, I would say, because if you've seen any of the trailers for this film, it there's a they put a strong focus on family because here you have all these family members and their kids like it shows them at home with their with their family with their wives with their kids you know just going about their daily lives and then all of a sudden September 11th happens and they Im- immediately go into the war and so but like after the first maybe 15 20 minutes at the beginning it completely drops the whole family aspect and becomes just another, you know, mindless action movie almost, which is kind of a disappointment because, you know, like it's it's the the action feels more like something more like Transformers as opposed to like Saving Private Ryan where it's like you don't really want this over the top action war movie. Like you want something that's more grounded, something that's more realistic you know, and it just doesn't deliver on that aspect. Gotcha. Um, well, were you annoyed at all or were you rolling your eyes or anything like that? Um, there's not too much eye rolling moments. Um, there was one really weird moment that I caught. I don't, I'm not sure if any of the other film critics caught or anything else, but like there's this one scene, like it's right before the big, final climactic battle kind of thing where Chris Hemsworth he's basically the leader of the group and he's giving the speech to all the other soldiers and like it just looks really weird I don't know if they had to reshoot it but like his whole face looks basically CGI'd on almost like um, Tanya Harding in I, Tanya or Margot Robbie in I, Tanya you know like when she's ice skating like you can tell that something's off so like I don't know if they had to like reshoot that or just something with went wrong with it, but like it was just very off. All right. <laughs> well, let me, let me ask you guys this because uh, Chris Hemsworth has recently said he's like one of the few actors that once his contract is up with the Marvel films, he's actually stated that he would be interested in continuing uh, doing Marvel films um, because his films, other than the Marvel films, have not done very well do you think that's a factor in it Uh, I mean maybe probably Um, I think he definitely has the ability to branch out more like I I do like Chris Hemsworth as an actor like I thought he was hilarious in uh, Ghostbusters and um, even Vacation he was funny in that and like um, you know he was good in I'm like going through all of his stuff, yeah. and I I don't think I realize like exactly how much superhero stuff he's like, he's been um, in until I've seen the list. But Cabin in the Woods too, like I thought he was great in that. Yeah. So like, I do think he has the ability to branch out. Besides but, being just Thor, he hasn't quite really done, you know, the box office numbers to be like a leading, leading man kind of thing. So. I don't know. There's, I don't know. there's, um, I mean, I think it's 
when you're in a lot of big movies and you kind of easily get typecast into a certain type of role, and then I feel like you have to be very careful with everything you do moving forward to kind of break yourself out of that. Um, I always look at like Leonardo DiCaprio after Titanic and, you know, he was just like Mr. Heartthrob. No one took him seriously. Same thing with Robert Pattinson after Twilight. No one was taking him seriously. All the girls loved him. And not to say that Chris Helmsworth is in this kind of like teenage heartthrob stage with all the girls, but I do feel like it's a kind of similar mold that he has to break through and show that he's capable of doing more than just what he's known for. Um, and I don't feel like his choices, um, you know, over the last few years have really shown that he's capable of doing more. Like he, he may very well be and may, may rock at it, but I just don't feel like he's making the choices to really showcase that. Because he's, cause he's, you know, he's in Avengers Affinity War. He's in the next Avengers film. Um, and then he's also in the next Star Trek sequel. Um, yeah. The only film I see in pre-production right now for him. That's, that's Bad not, Times. Is Bad Times at the Yellow Royale. So, you know, and I don't, I wonder if he would ever do an indie film. I mean, I could see him doing an indie, indie comedy because he's certainly got the comedic timing for it. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't, you know, I don't know if he would be, would be good in a indie drama I mean yeah I don't I don't see him like doing like a straight up drama like I don't see him going like for Oscars kind of stuff like but as far as you know is Thor all he has no I don't I don't think so alright it's just a question I asked (laughs) um well as far as best and worst performance in in 12 strong uh, what what stood out to you um, for me, as far as best performance go, I would say Naveed Negaban. I don't know if that's how I'm pronouncing his his name correctly or not. <laughs> Pull it but, in, it's um, fine. That's what I'm going with. <laughs> um, he basically plays the Afghanistan Alliance, uh, the leader of the alliance in Afghanistan, who basically, he's the one who teams up with these, these U.S. soldiers, and he's the one who kind of leads them. And... I thought his character was the most interesting because, you know, here's this guy who's basically, he's trying to, he wants to basically take over Afghanistan himself and be the leader of the country. So he's fighting the Taliban. He's fighting a bunch of other resistance people. And he basically sees these U.S. soldiers as almost a means to an end as like, oh, they can provide me with airstrikes so I can just wipe out all the other you know they both have common enemies so i thought he did a really good job and i would have liked to for the movie to focus more on him Um, well fun fact he's gonna be the sultan in aladdin well boom there we go (laughs) that's that's sure this this movie doesn't really have fun facts so i was just trying to pull what i could um was there anything that, that stood out to you as particularly bad, or was everything kind of, was the rest of it just kind of middle of the road? Yeah, as far as, far as acting-wise, yeah, the rest is definitely more middle of the road. Um, you know, they all kind of blend together. Like, they all have that whole soldier, clean-cut military, you know, persona among them. So, like, they all kind of are the same. Right, right. I have a fun uh, fact. Shoot. Chris Helmsworth and Elsa Padake play a couple in the film, and they're married in real life. 
Somebody's looking at the IMBD page. No, I'm actually looking at my preview this page. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Which you got from IMDb, I got from didn't IMDb, you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh. Well. Well, cool. Uh, well, my only other fun facts for this, which I don't feel like are really fun, um, this filmed and or started filming in December 2016, and it actually filmed in New Mexico. So there's there's nothing to see of Atlanta in this film. We don't have any desert shots or locations where a movie like this can film. No, that's um, one of the few things Atlanta I don't think can do is the desert. No, I don't think we can make that work. Just get some sand and a green screen. We can do it. Um, but uh, I guess on the maybe, official... Maybe that's, what, maybe that's what was happening. Maybe Chris Hemsworth was in Atlanta when they were like, hey, we need to reshoot this one pivotal scene. And they were like, <laughs> oh, I can't do that. So they just did green shot it from Atlanta and then superimposed his face in that scene. I'll have to look that up. You haven't looked it up to see if like anyone else is kind of talking about that and why it looked I, weird. I asked a couple of other critics and like they didn't seem to No one else seemed seem to, to pick yeah, up on like, it. I don't uh, nobody said anything, so maybe I'm just really weird about it and it just I don't know. Well, I'm not seeing anything about it um on Google, but I'll keep digging and see if I can find something. Um, I don't know. Have you guys noticed that I feel like, you know, obviously every January we get like some horror movies, but I'm starting to notice that I feel like we get like a military movie every January too. Yeah. That's kind of interesting. Like we had the, the Michael Bay Benghazi one. Mm-hmm. Or there um, was the one that we did the, the press event for, um, 13 hours, 13 hours. That was the Michael Bay Benghazi one. Yeah. That one. And I I actually really liked that. That was one. that was good. That I was a good that, that was a good movie. Um, yeah. I just always kind of find it interesting that certain types of movies come out. Like I mean, there's obviously like September horror films, October horror films, but like I feel like January. Why why military why movies? Military? Why horror movies in January? Like just kind of interesting to because me. Because they can they can put them in there and get the box office. Because if they put them there, say September, October, November. They're going up against Oscar material and are going up against the biggest movies of the season. I guess so, but what about February or March or like any of the earlier months in the year? I don't know. I just get out was February. Yeah, we are going to get there. We are get um, there's that uh, Winchester movie that's coming out. I think that is in February, not not in January. Well, fair enough. Well, I guess we'll start start getting horror month or horror movies every month of the year. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, cool. Um, well, let's move on to our next film. Am I not going to give an overall? Oh, did you not you give an overall? <laughs> I'm, I no. swear, next week I'll be back on my A game. <laughs> so on Are the official Atlas scale, <laughs> I am just trying. She's trying to eat my sock right now. So <laughs> I'm sorry. You just, um, just, just move on through. <laughs> on the official scale, what would you what would you give 12 strong? Uh, I'm giving it a 2.5 out of 5. So an AT with a small little little L. L. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like, it has some good ideas. And some of the scenes are shot well. But it just, it feels too divided. And this is one of the films where the source material is so much more interesting than the actual movie, unfortunately. So, yeah. Fair enough. 
Um, well, there's that one coming out this weekend, and then our next one, which um, Mike saw and the rest of us did not see. I, no, I saw it. Oh, did you see it? I, okay, never mind. Yeah, Just don't it. listen to me. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about this. I've seen commercials for it on TV. That's pretty much I, all I can I heard add one here. on the radio earlier today, actually. They've done a fairly good job at like, advertising oh, this if one. If you like Nicholas Sparks. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, so yeah, Forever My Girl. Um, Mike, you want to set this one up for us? Sure. So Forever My Girl is um, a movie about a big country music star that um, he left his longtime girlfriend at the altar and went off and became a big country music star. And it's been eight years. One of his best friends has died and he comes back to his hometown for the funeral and uh, basically over time rediscovers his love for his former lover and um, so that's basically what the film is Um, not not just former lover it's his fiance who he left at the altar right I I did say (laughs) he left it at the altar okay yeah and um, uh and he discovers that not only did he leave her at the altar, but that they had a kid together. And because he never recontacted her after he left, in fact, he didn't contact almost anybody in the town, um, she never has told him about his daughter. And that's basically the film. And it's them rediscovering themselves and him learning how to be a father. Um, and also trying to decide what type of lifestyle he wants to lead because up to this point he's led this big country music star lifestyle where he's in private jets and hotel rooms and he doesn't use his own credit cards he has everybody he has all these people around him and he goes back to this his hometown and now he's by himself um, he actually lives with his father who he was also estranged from um, there's a ton of songs in this film um, and what's interesting about this film is the, the, the I'm looking it up right now on who the, the director is. So uh, the director who also wrote the film, Bethany Ashton Wolf, spent two years with a, a Nashville songwriting team to create all the songs for this film. And when she pitched the movie, she pitched it with a band and had the band play a portion of the songs and then would then tell them what the next portion and then they'd play another song. And that's how she pitched the movie and, and got it made. Cool. Um, well, I'm looking forward to you explaining to me how she took him back because as a female, I don't feel like that's something you come back from if you get left at the altar. But um, uh, yeah, let's uh, let's dive into it. Um, how How bored were you guys during this one? Were you... Were you entertained? Did it feel like a realistic storyline with her taking him back? It's, it's pushing it. It is pushing it. Um, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a plot device in it that kind of at the end wins her over. And I don't want to give it away. But there is a plot device that kind of seals the deal. Um, but, man, it's it, – obviously, they, he used to be a good guy, and he just – his, his backstory is, is that um, his mom died when he was really young. And he's, basically his excuse is that the reason why he ran away is that he didn't want to love anybody like he loved his mom and then lose that person. 
that's his excuse for leaving her at the altar. But see, mm-hmm. the biggest the biggest problem I have with that is that they don't tell you that until the very end. Like, they don't show you that his mom dies until near the very end. So, like, the opening scene is their wedding and him leaving. And so, like, it does such a horrible job of making you care about this guy. Because for most of it, he is just a total idiot and just a (laughs) terrible person. And then you start to kind of warm up to him once he starts, you know, having a relationship with the daughter. That was the only thing I liked about this film was the the little girl who plays his daughter. She is the only character who was actually good. Um, her Ouch. name is Abby Ryder Fortson, and I thought she was great. Um, but, yeah, I, I was not a fan of this movie at all. <laughs> so a fair amount of eye-rolling, probably, in this yes. one. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very... Um, it is very hallmarky in in that it's a pretty simplistic tale um you know and it's and it kind of follows the hallmark i mean i know it's been as matt just said it's being compared to nicholas sparks but this is a little bit it's a direct to video nicholas sparks well it's i I think it's not as complicated as a nicholas sparks film is and that's not saying a lot um (laughs) there are no crazy ghosts that come back in the third act true no there's yeah but there is a death so it does qualify in the nicholas sparks thing um well, speaking of Nicholas Sparks, I was just um, kind of going down like the the black hole that you you go down when you start looking stuff up on Wikipedia and IMBD. Um, Nicholas Sparks actually doesn't have anything coming out. Like it used to be, like every February, it's like Valentine's Day. You had a Nicholas Sparks movie coming out for a long time, and he's got nothing that's even. Now, granted, I'm just on his IMBD page, so I don't know if he's writing new books or, or what that looks like. But there's actually no Nicholas Sparks movies that are currently in production. Well, I know the last two films did not do well, and that was using his own production company. Yeah. And because he makes them in North Carolina, and North Carolina doesn't do um, a lot of tax credits, that, that may be the reason. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, I mean, his movies are very formulaic. Like, it's kind of scary if you look at exactly how formulaic they are. But there's still there's still something about them that's you know fairly entertaining to watch, and you find yourself rooting for the characters. And I don't know, just from the commercials that I've seen of this Forever My Girl and and the the plot lines, I just don't I don't know. For me personally, I don't feel like I could buy into it. Yeah, I didn't. And even like I wasn't even impressed with the music at all. Like, I don't remember any of the songs. And granted, I will admit, I am not a country fan, so, like, that to begin with was kind of already against it for me. But, like, there was nothing memorable about any of the music. See, I liked I liked the music in it. Um, it reminded me of the TV series Nashville, uh, because they do a similar thing where they, they have songs written specifically for the, for the TV show and for that moment in the TV show. And that's what this film had, was all these songs meant something for that, at that time period. Um, I thought I thought the songs were good. Um, and Travis Tritt, actually, he, he does not play himself. He just plays a, a saloon singer. Um, he's got a song in it that I thought was really good. Um, so I liked, I, that's one of the things I liked about this film was the songs. 
Cool. Um, and then Matt, I know you mentioned the, the little girl was the best part of it for you. Um, yeah. What about for you, Mike? Yeah, Is that's, there any she, performances? She, she, she's, the, she's the reason why to, to see this film if you're going to go see it. She's really good. I mean, I look at her IMDb page. She's been doing stuff since 2013. She's been on Transparent. Uh, she was, she's in Ant-Man. She's going to be in the Ant-Man sequel. She's the daughter in Ant-Man. Yeah. She's Paul yeah. Rudd's daughter. Yeah, she, she was in the series Togetherness, uh, Whispers. So she's got quite a bit of acting chops to her. Um, so and she's actually well, won an award. Um, Beth Use Actress. So for rated at the Out of the Wild International Festival of Cinema. Cool. Well, the the lead actress uh, Jessica Roth uh, was one of the girls dancing down the street in La La Land with Emma Stone. She was the blonde that was um, Emma Stone's roommate. So that's her. That's your fun fact on the casting side. Um. So as we were mentioning earlier, this film did shoot in Georgia. It actually shot in August in 110 to 115 degree heat with a 24-day shooting schedule, um, which which uh, sometimes actually shut down production because of lightning storms. Uh, with having the short shooting schedule, a modest budget, and um, it's noted here, uh, the set pieces were rather ambitious, and the lightning storms and intense heat, the cast and crew um, actually had... This is not written very well. I'm reading this off of IMDb, so I apologize. <laughs> um, the cast and crew had to move at warp speed to shoot 154 scenes. Wolf, the director, actually storyboarded the entire film herself in moving visuals, scene by scene, shot by shot, instead of traditional still storyboards. Uh, she explains that she does this for every film that she's ever done, that it's part of her process to give her a tactile moving visual for all departments to see so that they can have common language to work from. Um, she explains that she developed this as part of her cre- creative process early on in her career as an indie filmmaker. Um, so that's it. That that whole section started with about how it was filmed in Georgia, which is why I thought it was a good transition into um, whether or not you guys recognized any any Georgia spots in this one. Yeah, I recognized a couple. Um, definitely the W Midtown. Um, they filmed there. That's where basically the hotel that he stays at when he's on his tour. Um, so, and like, you can, you instantly recognize, especially cause you know, we've done so many interviews there before. Yeah. Um, that's instantly recognizable. And then also I'm not entirely a hundred percent sure on this. I need to actually look it up and stuff, but I believe downtown Emory, you know, by uh, North Decatur road and Clifton that at least for the exterior shots for basically, um, you know, um, the, the main actress, Jessica Roth, she works at a flower shop. She has her own flower shop in the film. And I want to say the exteriors where you, where that was downtown Emory. But Aww. I'm not 100% sure because that looked really familiar, that area and stuff. Yeah, W Hotel is the only thing I recognized. Well, cool. Um, well, overall, on the official Atlas scale, where would you guys put Forever My Girl? I'm giving it a one. Ouch. <laughs> I I was not a I was not a fan of this movie except for the little girl. Um she was the only thing that keep that's keeping it a one. Like I was just I was so bored. I I just didn't like it. Fair enough. Well, since I said I enjoyed the music um and um I've being from Texas, I've listened to a lot of country. 
Um, I'm going to give it an AT. Oh, a two. Okay. Well, that's not... <laughs> that's not, not that good either. It's not that great. Not that great, guys. <laughs> you're not really selling this so, one yeah. for me. Um, it's not worth seeing. I mean, it's, not if, worth you're, seeing. if you're in the country music and you want a date night, it would be okay to go see. Mm. Yeah. I just, you know... <laughs> Just now. Um, All right. Well, those are your options for this weekend. Um, So go see Jumanji again. Or maybe Uh, even so see Den of Thieves. That might be good. We we both missed the screening for that one. So we did. None of us have seen it, but that was an Atlanta filmed movie. So. Yep. We we thought we were going to be at a whiskey event, and then snow happened. Uh, Or better yet, go see Paddington too. Yeah. Go see Paddington too. That's a guarantee good time. <laughs> yes, if you're in well, a bad mood, you will be in a better mood once you see that film. That's uh, that's all your options for this weekend. And of course, next weekend or next week, we'll have a few more to talk about. Um, we'll be talking about Maze Runner, and then of course, Oscar nominations come out too. So we'll see how closely they mirror the uh, Golden Globes, and we'll we'll have a chat about that. Um, the Atlanta Jewish Film Festival also starts next week on the 24th. Um, opening night, I don't know if tickets are still available, but that's always a really, really cool event. So if you guys can make it out to that, I highly recommend it. And the, the cool um, thing about the Atlanta Jewish Festival is that it's not in just one central location. It is all over the city. So there is a theater yep. near you that's showing some of the films everywhere from Atlantic Station to um, LaFont Sandy Springs. I mean, they're uh, Hollywood 24. There, there are literally theaters all over Atlanta that are part of the Atlanta Jewish Film Festival, which is the largest Jewish film festival in the world. And I highly recommend it. You'll see some films that you will you would never have seen before. And they're films from all over the world. Um, there's comedies, there's dramas, there's documentaries. Um, it's just a, it's an amazing event. It's incredibly well run. Um, and it's a lot of fun. I, I always have a great time going to the films. Yeah, and it's you have no excuse not to catch at least one one film with them because it's a it's a three week long festival running from uh, January twenty fourth through February fifteenth. So, plenty of time to to check it out at least one of the locations. And you guys can look that up at ajff.org. Um, and that's that's pretty much it for this week. So. We uh, everything we planned to talk about got canceled because of snow, <laughs> but um, I think we'll have better better weather next week. So um, we are headed off to Project Cosplay tonight, um, which by the time this episode is released will have already happened. But um, yeah, it'll be fun, yeah. and we'll talk about that next week. <laughs> so, and it's it seems appropriate after today's reviews that our theme tonight is bad movies. So yeah. that's our, our theme for Project Cosplay tonight. Jan- January's almost over, so almost. hopefully we'll get, we'll get into the good stuff soon. Yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff coming up. Um, but thank you guys for listening. Again, this is the Atlas Podcast. Um, please leave comments for us, suggestions, comments, anything you want to talk to us about. Rate us on iTunes and SoundCloud and all those fun places. Um, again, my name is Emma Loggins, Editor-in-Chief at Fanbolt.com. And I'm Matt Rodriguez, the owner-in-chief editor of ShakeFire.com. And I'm Mike McKinney of Last One to Leave the Theater.com and ATLCW.tv. And we'll talk to you guys next week. 
Go see Paddington 2. 